What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. I'm your host today, Matt Johnson, a.k.a. the guy filming John Walker's casual decapitation last episode. And I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. a wingless falcon who now goes by Roadrunner. We hope you've all been having a great week, as well as a week full of great content consumption. I don't have much to talk about, unfortunately, other than I am still watching Invincible. The new episode this week was another hit for me. What about you, Austin? Have you been watching anything good, anything new? What do you got for me? Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, Invincible, of course, is still great, still fun. Um, as for me, though, I have been playing a new game, and I know you've been playing it with me. The two of us have been playing Outriders, the latest from People Can Fly. Yeah, that's been really fun. Keith has been joining us, too, along the way. But yeah, just in general, Outriders. Really enjoying this game. We're going to be talking about it more later this month, whenever we get further in. But yeah, Austin, what do you think? I've been really loving the gameplay, for sure. The gameplay is a blast. It is a looter shooter. So uh, I'm glad they at least nailed that aspect of the game. The story is uh, pretty just sci-fi garbage. But yeah. uh, like we've said, the, the loot's fun, the shooting's fun, and that's the majority of the game. So Absolutely. Of course, um, along with Invincible, we are talking The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's been part of our weekly TV. If you didn't know, we did an entire TV review series on WandaVision before this, actually. So if you love that and didn't check out our thoughts on it, head to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, leave us a review, and scroll on up to those WandaVision episodes so you can give that a listen if you haven't already. If this is your first episode of The Arnie's, welcome. We're super happy to have you. Our main episodes come out every Tuesday, and last week we continued our journey through the MCU with another episode of our Retrospective and Review series. This one covered Thor. So, Austin, what was it like returning to Asgard, and what can people expect from that episode? Yeah, it was really fun taking a look back at Chris Hemsworth's uh, first attempt at wielding Milnor and playing Thor. Um, I hadn't seen this movie in years, so it was really fun to return to it and see that Chris Hemsworth has always been funny as Thor. I think a lot of people kind of share the belief that Thor didn't really get fun as a character until Ragnarok, but I think if you go back and check out the first movie, you'll see that he was fun and interesting from the get-go. As for that recording, we had a ton of fun just kind of breaking down all the different uh, production stories behind the film, and we had a lot of fun breaking down who was almost cast uh, to play Thor before Chris Hemsworth was. Daniel Craig is on that list, Tom Hiddleston was on that list, so a lot of fun to talk about that stuff. Definitely, definitely. And as for this coming Tuesday, we are bringing back our bracket format to definitively decide what is the best, best picture winner of all time. So we each took four movies, put them on in, we matched them all up. We've been watching them all month. So yeah, that episode is just going to be us going through and probably arguing at times, maybe agreeing at times, and we will see which one comes out on top. So that's going to be super fun. So keep an eye out for that when that episode drops. We have some great content out already and some more exciting stuff on the way. Also, we do want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Let us know how you're feeling about all our episodes. And now it is time. We only have one episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier left. Some stories are wrapping up and some are kind of still up in the air. Things have definitely gotten a little bit more interesting. But Austin, remind everybody of your thoughts on The Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far, and then follow that up with your non-spoiler thoughts on episode five. Overall, I've been pretty positive on the show. Uh, episodes one and two, I really enjoyed. I felt like they really nailed the premiere and the follow-up episode. Episode three, I felt like we lost some momentum. And then episode four, I think we kind of regained our footing a little bit. And as for this week's episode, episode five, I think this is the best episode so far that they've put out. I had a great time this week. Um, I think they really nailed the balance. We have tons of sweet action to open up the episode. And then we have lots of great character moments and characters that we haven't seen since the first episode come back into the story in interesting ways. And I think to top it off, we also got 
really great character growth from both Bucky and Sam in this episode. So I just cannot wait to see what we do in the finale next week. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think um, this is probably my favorite episode as well. And the best thing I can say for non-spoilers is just that they really did find that good balance there. Like what this show has been up until this point, it felt like this episode kind of gave us everything we wanted to see without going overboard on certain elements. Like we said, we got the good action. We got some great character moments, both funny and serious. We got character growth. And we also got some really emotional moments that kind of felt like they were paying off stuff we saw earlier in the show. So yeah, this episode all around was just really exciting and just kind of felt like a perfect setup episode as well for the finale. Obviously, penultimate episodes have a lot to do when it comes to trying to wrap up stuff and get you ready. And if if I'm going off of did this episode get me pumped for next week's last episode, then it certainly succeeded on that front too. Are you nervous though? Because the penultimate episode of WandaVision was so good and then that finale was a little bit... uh underwhelming are you nervous the same thing could happen with the show um i don't know if i'm nervous i mean the marvel in general i think isn't great with most of their projects with when it comes to ending them or wrapping them up tons of them have major third act problems um and yeah with wandavision i definitely the I, the finale certainly wasn't my favorite episode lots of good stuff in it but I'm not nervous about this one. I'm I maybe I'm kind of just going in prepared for it to be a bit disappointing. I'm not saying I have any reason to believe it will be, but if it's disappointing, at least it's been a fun ride. Um, but I have high hopes. I, I hope it sticks the landing. But there are elements that I am concerned about when it comes to the villains and stuff if they pay that off. Well, we'll have to see next week. And of course, everybody with that, we are now going to transition into the spoiler portion of our talk. So if you haven't seen the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode five, be sure to turn us off here, go check out the episode and then come on back to hear our thoughts. So let's get into it. First and foremost, Austin, I want you to start us off with the old cast and crew. Who is in Season 1, Episode 5? This episode is called Truth. All right. So the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, of course, is created by Malcolm Spellman. This episode is directed by Carrie Scoglin and written by Dalen Mousson. And then for our cast, we have Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan returning as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this week, they are joined by Wyatt Russell as John Walker, Carl Lumby as Isaiah Bradley, Aaron Kellyman as Carly Morgenthau, Adapiro Adue as Sarah Wilson, Danny Ramirez as Joaquin Torres, Georges St. Pierre as Batroc, with Daniel Brühl as Zemo, Emily Van Camp as Sharon Carter, and National Treasure Julia Luis Dreyfus as Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. So Matthew, any of these actors stand out this week as a highlight or a negative? Definitely no negatives. I thought everybody was great. Like you said, it was good to see some characters that we haven't seen too much pop up in more prominent roles like um, Adapero Aduye, Carl Lumbly, um, George St. Pierre, even it was fun to see some characters come back and given substantial things to do. So yeah, definitely not, nobody's weak here. This is a great cast. As for specific shout outs, I'm definitely going to go with Wyatt Russell, Carl Lumbly as Isaiah, I mean, yeah, Carl Lumbly as Isaiah Bradley. It's just, just amazing So good. Stuff. He's so good. He was going to be my shout out. Yeah, he's, he's just fantastic and yeah like i started off there with wyatt russell i think um yeah i think it's just a sign of a good performance that people are so kind of up in arms with the fact that this guy was made to be captain america i think he's just really nailing it and even as he gets further into descent it doesn't come off as goofy he just comes off as sinister and scary and but still he has that heart of that good guy that he was in the beginning so it's yeah there's a lot going into that performance that i love 
Um, yeah, they probably covered it for me. I know you have a big one that you want to talk about too. So why don't you hit that? Uh, yeah, for me, I think I think I have a standout moment, and it's for sure Anthony Mackie and Carl Lumbly kind of interacting alone together. Uh, I thought the scene they had this week was so great, and just how they both have the shared experience of being black men in America is just such a well-written and just interesting scene to put into a superhero show. And then, of course, it was great to see uh, Julia Louise uh, in this show. I did not know she was going to be in here, so her making an appearance was really surprising, and I can't wait to see what they do with her character. They didn't let that leak. I had no idea she was going to be in this episode or be a part of the MCU. I didn't really love that scene. It just kind of felt like they let her kind of go in terms of improvising. Uh, so it kind of felt a little bit jarring, but I love her. I'm a big fan. So as long as they can have more time to flesh out with that character, whether it be in a future projects, I'm definitely down for that. Does anybody even bother handing her a script anymore? Like if you have her on the show, I'm sure it's just go ahead and improvise this, Julia. We don't need you to read any words <laughs> for sure for sure i do have kind of one negative and it's not from a performance or an acting standpoint it's just more of a why is this character in this show and it's uh the joaquin torres character every time he shows up it feels so unnecessary and i just don't understand why they bother giving that character screen time yeah i i'm i'm not fully sure uh, i was really high on that character in the first episode because it felt like oh this is cool sam has kind of his eyes on the ground while he's in the sky if that makes sense and they had a good rapport and it was fun watching them kind of play off of each other. But then he's been weirdly absent for the rest of the series. He's kind of popped in occasionally. I think the only reason that he's still here is because, from what I understand, and they kind of teased it, I think this character in the comics becomes Falcon when Sam becomes Captain America. So they had that thing where he was kind of messing around with the wings at the end, maybe implying uh, that they might do that in the future, but I have no idea. If he's back, I will not be interested in that. Yeah, the performance is good. I just, yeah, he, he has barely been in the show, and it seemed like it was going to be a bigger role at the beginning, for sure. Okay, Matt. Well, before we get into our roundtable, do you want to run down our plot summary for episode five? Here we go. Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes track down John Walker and demand the shield from him. They eventually take it after a big fight in which Wilson's wingsuit is destroyed. Barnes finds Zemo in Zakovia and hands him over to the Dormelage while Walker receives an other-than-honorable discharge and is stripped of his role as Captain America. Later, though, he is met by Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Wilson leaves the damaged wingsuit with Torres and returns to the U.S. to visit Isaiah Bradley, who reveals more about his past, including his imprisonment after rescuing fellow soldiers who had also been experimented on. Wilson returns home and helps his sister fix the family boat with assistance from several of their neighbors in Barnes, who delivers a briefcase from the Wakandans. While training with the S.H.I.E.L.D., Wilson and Barnes agree to move on from their pasts and work together. The Flag Smashers, though, plan an attack on the GRC conference and are joined by Batroc, who is released from prison with help from Sharon Carter, interestingly enough. In a mid credit scene, John Walker builds a new S.H.I.E.L.D. from scrap metal and his war medals. Okay, well, thanks for the plot summary, Matt. Uh, let's go ahead and kick off the roundtable now. It's just the two of us this week, so uh, I just want to start us off today by talking about our opening battle between John Walker, Sam, and Bucky, and I kind of want to bring up two things here. So first being, John Walker points out uh, that they could have been a team, which I thought was like an interesting point to kind of throw out there in the middle of this fight. So I just want to know if, if you think all of this could have been avoided if Sam and Bucky had been more willing to work with John Walker and Lamar. Yeah, I... I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. I certainly don't blame Sam or Bucky for the way they handled things. Um, and I don't blame Walker or Lamar for the way they handled things up to a point. It just shit really hit the fan last week when all of this mounting tension with him feeling 
I guess the responsibility of living up to Steve Rogers, like it finally made him crack. And then he decided to take the serum and then Lamar died and all that happening so fast together kind of led to the, the break. So it's hard to say if like if they had just teamed up from the start, would things have been different? Maybe, but I don't know. But yeah, I did like that moment where he kind of called that out specifically because um, it was kind of interesting. And overall, I mean, geez, this was just a crazy battle to start off the episode. And I thought it was so fun. Yeah, the fight was crazy and pretty brutal, too. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure if all of this could have been avoided. I definitely wouldn't have trusted like John Walker to handle this entire situation alone. Um, it, it does seem like Sam and Bucky could have been maybe a little bit more welcoming, but they also weren't really in a place either to like kind of welcome anybody else into their group. Yeah. So it's really hard to say how this dynamic plays out. I am really interested, though, if, if maybe John Walker now kind of blames Sam and Bucky for Lamar's death. Like, I wonder if he ever gets to that point in his grief. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it wouldn't be too surprising. I mean, we see in this episode, I think it's a combination of him um, just hitting such a breaking point and also him trying to justify his actions. But he says that the person he killed is one that killed Lamar. And I mean, he was there. He objectively knows that's not true. And he tells Bucky even says, no, that's not true, John. And then later when he apologizes basically to uh, Lamar's family, he's again justifying it by saying he killed the person that killed Lamar. So, yeah, maybe that blame could shift to other people like Sam and Bucky and who who the hell knows? Because I, I still, I'm still so curious where this character ends up. Um, and then also, I just want to talk about the action kind of overall in this scene, just because it's really all we got this week. Uh, so I know we both kind of liked it. What were your kind of standout moments? For me, it was just how deadly the shield felt after watching Walker decapitate someone with it last week. Like every time he brings it out and is like swinging it at them, it seemed like almost more deadly in this scene than it has in the prior MCU scenes. Yeah, it just shows kind of the power of that shield when it comes to offense and defense when it's in the hands of someone that is trying to hurt you, I guess, as opposed to Steve, who obviously he was hurting primarily bad people. But yeah, it did feel extremely deadly <laughs> in this episode. Um, yeah, but when it comes to other highlights from the fight, I just thought there were so many good little moments. I, I mean, Wyatt Russell, whenever he just, the helmet comes off, he's covered in like sweat and blood and he just is holding Sam down and is like, I am Captain America, then rips his wings off. It was like, whoa, that was crazy. And then I also love the little cap off to it as well, where uh, he has no wings, but he has the shield now. So he uses his thruster to just move forward while Bucky kind of throws him into the other side of the shield. So yeah, there were tons of great moments there. I was worried they like broke his back when they did that move. Um, and then also another another pretty brutal moment was when they ripped like literally ripped the shield from his arm and it like snapped his shoulder. Oof, yeah, I just that was so brutal. Yeah, yeah, they definitely didn't hold back. Yeah, so um, we already talked about it a little bit with um Julia Louis Dreyfus's character, but I guess it would be a natural jumping off point because we did mention it last week too. Is like it's a weird position for him to be in because they gave him a gun and they told him to go after Carly Morgenthau. So the fact that the idea of him killing someone, I guess, is okay, but it's just the manner in which he did it and got caught on camera is why they're taking away not only the title of Captain America, but also, I mean, he doesn't get the benefits. They're taking his rank away. It's just a not an honorable discharge. So what do you think of the punishment and kind of that courtroom scene and all that follow up? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you called out him being caught on camera because that's the only reason they're upset. They don't care about I don't think they even care about the manner in which he killed the guy. I think it's literally just the fact that he got filmed doing it. Yeah. If this had happened in like a back alley with nobody watching, there'd be no consequences for his actions. So uh, I'm really glad that you called that out. And I'm really glad that he even brought it up like in his testimony. 
Um, I thought the way he just kind of loses it and shouts at the Senate and is like, I am Captain America again. Like, so great. Uh, you can definitely see him like breaking down and starting to lose it mentally. And then, um, like we touched on, I was really surprised when Julia Louis-Dreyfus shows up. Um, I, I don't know anything about the Fontaine character uh, like, other than she is a spy for S.H.I.E.L.D. So I'm curious how that plays into stuff. Doesn't seem like in this show she would be working for S.H.I.E.L.D., but we'll have to see what happens next week. Yeah, I still... And we're going to talk about it more later when it comes to, I guess, theories and stuff. But I still feel like um, I feel like Ross is pulling the strings here. I don't know why. I don't know if she's like working for him. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what her goal would be. So, yeah, whenever we get to the theories at the end, we'll break that down more. But I'm just trying to think about how, like, I guess, entities, whether it be shields or otherwise, might try and use Walker for their benefit in the future. I think you may just have an incredible Hulk recency bias, because you certainly have General Ross on the mind in all of our MCU content these days. I might. I might, to be honest. I might just have let that film overtake me with joy. I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> joy. God. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's just because he has that weird high up position. We've seen what he's done before. So I don't know. I guess he's kind of become the default. I always assume he's kind of pulling the strings in a weird way. But I guess we'll see. What did you think about Walker's kind of brief speech to the the hearing committee? Did you like when he's like, I'm what you made me, like you did this to me? How did all that play for you? Um, it played just how I think they were going for. It was a combination of I feel bad for him and I get where he's coming from, but also he can't play victim completely, obviously, and he can't fully throw the blame on other people. The main reason being he still chose to kill the guy. I, I understand there was lots of crazy shit going on in his head, but he still did that. And the main reason is they didn't give you the serum. We talked about in the lead up to the show that we thought that the government would have already given him the serum. And then we were surprised when we got his backstory. He's like, oh, no, he's just a normal guy. But then he took the serum on his own. So it's not like he can fully jump behind the whole you made me you made me a monster because it's not fully true. But at the same time, I do get parts of that argument and I do feel bad for him up to a point. So I think it was effective. Yeah, I, I thought this scene was really great too. And, and I definitely did understand his whole, this is what you trained me to do. You, he even calls out, you gave me a gun. What did you think was going to happen? Like, yeah. I, I really liked all that from him. Um, and, and I am so excited to see where this character goes next week. Um, and I also just thought from an acting performance, just the range, Wyatt, Wyatt Russell displays in this scene too, was, was really great and one of his best of the show so far. Yeah, I think he's just given such a great performance. I'm so glad he was a part of this show. He fits in so well to the world, and it's one of those things where I'm going to be really sad if he dies next week just because I want to see more of him. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. I can't wait to see where they end things off with that character. So here's an interesting one. I definitely want, I'm glad we're talking about this one, Austin, because you mentioned this almost verbatim last week. So we talked about where Zemo's story could go. And maybe I'm on the opposite end. I guess we'll see. But I really liked that it kind of just wrapped up here, seemingly at least. It was fun having him along for this ride, understanding his motivations a bit more, and just getting some good scenes with Daniel Brühl in general because he's so good. Maybe he'll pop up next episode. I don't know. If he does, I'm assuming it won't be in a, any type of big capacity. And so I just wanted to ask you, are we cool that Morgenthau is remaining the main villain and that Zemo is kind of out of the picture and it seems that there wasn't some big kind of nefarious plan he was trying to enact. He just genuinely wanted to try and get rid of the super soldiers, basically. So the Morgenthau portion of that question, I'm going to reserve my judgment until I see next week what happens with her and the power broker. Um, I love the character of Carly Morgenthau on this show, so I'm, I'm really interested in that. I'm glad her story didn't wrap up this week. As for the Zemo side, though, I was uh, 
great scene, but I was pretty disappointed in, in where this character went. Um, like I've touched on, I, I really was needing him to have a bigger plan in this show other than just, hey, I want to kill some super soldiers. It didn't get there. I, I don't think we're going to get there next week. Daniel Brühl was great in the show. I loved all his scenes with Sam and Bucky, but overall, just the Zemo involvement felt pretty underwhelming to me now that I can kind of look at it from its beginning to conclusion. Yeah, I get that. It definitely worked for me, but I certainly wouldn't fault anybody for feeling that way because it, it just felt knowing the character in the past that we were going to get something. But yeah, I guess I'm kind of cool that he's just a guy with such a singular focus in a weird way. Like the second he heard about more super soldiers, he was like, okay, I guess I'll go along with this. I'll join Sam and Bucky. And that was his whole thing. Like, I'm just going to get rid of them. I have to kill Carly Morgenthau because I fundamentally don't believe that these super soldiers should exist. The second he was presented with an opportunity to do something with the serum, he just chose to destroy all of it. And of course, he missed one that Walker then took after knocking him out. So I, I like his trajectory being so simple and kind of just giving us a good performance along the way. But at the same time, like I said, I do totally understand where you're coming from because... It's just not what we expected. That doesn't always mean bad, but it felt like there might be more to this. Can you answer this for me, though? Because I know you've read more of the Marvel comics than I have. Is this how Zemo is in the comics? Does he only care about killing super soldiers? Because I, I know he's one of Captain America's main villains. So does he typically have like a larger villainous plot? Or is this really just how he is in the comics? I, I can't remember the elements of the super soldier aspect that might have been something that they leaned more into with the MCU as things went on and introducing that character in Civil War. As for how he normally plays out, he's normally a pretty standard villain. Um, so the idea of this kind of being this weird, like altruistic element to him. And then the second he kind of accomplishes his goal, he's like kind of OK with dying or going to prison, essentially, is not something that we typically see from Zemo, from what I understand. It wouldn't have been out of line for the character if he had had a larger villainous plot within the show. No, well, I guess I'm saying the opposite, because in the comics, he's just kind of a straight up villain. Like, so if they had revealed that Zemo in the show did have some bigger villainous plot, that probably would have been more in line with the comics. But maybe it wasn't too in line with the version of the character that they created for the MCU live action. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just I don't know. It, it seemed like so huge having him in this show, especially since he was in. Uh, Civil War. Yeah. So it just, I just really was expecting more from this character. I agree. I totally get that. Um, and this is the last time I'll mention him, I promise. Or maybe it's not. Maybe I'll mention, maybe I'll mention him a bunch more in this episode. But they did actually make a pretty direct reference to something in line with Ross, which is, I was surprised that when the Wakandans showed up, it wasn't like we're taking him to Wakanda. They said that we're taking him to the raft, which is the prison from Civil War, the one out in the middle of the ocean, and we know that Ross runs that facility. So it's kind of like, okay, I guess it maybe doesn't matter as much why they're taking Zemo there. It's more that Zemo is going there, and he could kind of be folded into a future TV show or movie being like under Ross somehow. Or maybe he'll just be used as a tool. See, see that would make more sense to me than him being the power broker. I feel like the power broker is such a, a sharp turn from the last time we saw him, which was yeah. in the Secretary of Defense role. But him running the raft and, and kind of making a prison of supervillains, that would be more in line with the character for me from what we've gotten in the MCU. Yeah, totally fair. Is he going to lead the Marvel version of the Suicide Squad? Well, they do kind of have that in the Marvel Universe. Uh, the Thunderbolts and Ross leads them. <laughs> Maybe they're setting up for that. <laughs> Maybe they are. Could David Ayer be directing? 
Well, maybe maybe David Ayer will be a character on the team. Maybe David Ayer is so pissed that James Gunn took over his movie in the DC universe that he's now going to make his own version in the Marvel universe. Can't wait to see it. Can't wait. Release the Ayer cut. No. Release the Ayer cut. No. <laughs> so we mentioned at the top already talking about Carl Lumbly, but I just love getting more of Isaiah Bradley's story. It was more tragic than I thought it was going to be and so effective both on its own and how it kind of ties into Sam's struggle. Disney has certainly been known in the past to kind of brush past racism, both in their nonfiction and fictional stories. And I like that it is at their very least being confronted so head on here. This was definitely the best scene of the episode for me. I thought it was so impactful, powerful and acted so well. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. As as I mentioned at the top, this was kind of my like my standout scene this week. I I loved everything about this. And I, I guess we should just mention, too, like you and I are as wide as it gets. Like we don't have this shared experience of what it's like to be black in America. Yeah. So I can't speak on like what it meant for like the black community to have this acknowledged in something as big as an MCU show. But I do think it's so crazy that Disney and Marvel are both willing to give this much screen time to that story. Like we haven't gotten anything like this in the Marvel universe or really anything from Disney in the past. It's just so striking to see it in a Marvel property. Yeah. And I also like that, um, how it's playing for Sam as a character. Like later on, he basically says, I totally get where Isaiah is coming from. I mean, the, the ending line to that scene where he's like, they will never let a black man be Captain America and no self-respecting black man would ever want to be, which also ties back into stuff characters have mentioned, like Sarah Wilson mentioned, I think last episode, why do I care who the mascot is referencing Captain America when America doesn't even represent me? So I like the element of that. Like Isaiah just so fundamentally believes that there's no even real point. It's like, why would you want to be Captain America when they resent you and a group of people hate you and that kind of thing? That scene is so great. And that, that line from Isaiah is, is also just such a standout in this episode and really striking. And, and you can feel like kind of all the pain that this character has been through in that statement. But then I also do love at the end how Sam tells Sarah that he needs to make the pain and sacrifice of people like Isaiah Bradley worth it by kind of taking up the Captain America mantle. So I do like how how Sam kind of takes into consideration what Isaiah is saying and, and he's really hurt and impacted by it and he almost wants to not become Captain America. But then later on, he kind of grows and, and realizes like, look, it can mean something if I take up the shield. So I'm going to work and I'm going to make all the sacrifice worth it and I am going to try and become Captain America. Yeah, it's like he basically says, I totally get what Isaiah is saying, and I'm I'm so sorry that that happened to him. But if I don't take up the mantle, if no black man ever takes up this mantle when they have the opportunity, then there'll never will be change going forward. Then we're just going to be stuck in the same position of like only a white person can fit that ideal. So he's like, yeah, maybe it'll be hard. Maybe some people will resent me. But if I take up this mantle, I can like make change. Just seeing the way his nephews look to him with when he has that shield, knowing what that means. Yeah. I mean, you just know what that means for other children everywhere. So great stuff. Loved it. Also, just wanted to throw it out there. A little bit of a spoiler for Austin, I guess, because um, we're going to have to watch Captain America, the first Avenger soon as part of our ongoing series. In that movie, I just thought it was so deliberate that they had um, Isaiah's story go this way, because in the original Captain America, kind of his big moment that gets him out of the whole propaganda game if you want to put it that way he's like bucky and just all these soldiers have been captured and they're going to be killed by hydra and they won't let me go after him even though i I have these abilities so i'm just going to go like he defies direct orders from tommy lee jones and just goes to save them and he somehow succeeds it's crazy but he does and he brings them all back and they're totally fine 
And he's like, he just gets a pat on the back and is like, great, good job, partner. Now you're Captain America. You can be a soldier. Isaiah's story is he basically did the exact same thing and then he went to jail for 30 years. I just thought it was so... Ugh, I got I got pretty emotional during that scene because, I mean, we talk a lot like in real life about how black just people can do similar things. And instead of being rewarded in some cases, they're just completely put in danger. They're faulted. They're in trouble. I mean, this is just a, an exact reference to that. He, this guy did the exact same thing Steve Rogers did and went to prison for it. Yeah. And not only did he do the exact same thing, but then also... He brought these soldiers back and then they were just put right back into combat. So even though he did all this stuff, they were all killed and he was the only one left. So he just, he, I also like too, how he, how he mentions the red tails and how he's like, I saw oh. this squadron go off to war. They were heroes. And then they come back to crosses being burned on their lawns. Like just everything from Isaiah this week was so emotional, so impactful. Just, you can really tell that they're kind of taking this current moment that we're in, in this country and really putting into these two characters in this show. Definitely. Definitely agree. On that note, too, I also did want to get your take on, because Isaiah Bradley does say they will never let a black person be Captain America. Uh-huh. And then also the Senate and, and the committee tells Wyatt Russell, bring us the shield, not knowing yeah. that Sam has the shield. So do you think Sam is going to have any resistance from the American government next week when he seemingly does take up the Captain America mantle and, and is using the shield? Because it seems like the government thinks the shield is theirs. So do you think they're yeah. going to try to take it from Sam? Yeah, I, 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 um, I, I can't imagine. Maybe we'll get some scenes that reference that. Yeah. Um, and maybe it'll be something where they come out victorious against the Flag Smashers and then the government sees the response to Sam as Captain America and they're like, oh, I guess people like it. So I guess, sure, you can keep being Captain America. So I don't know how it'll play out. Um, but yeah, as for the shield, A, weird. That's how they handle it. It's just like, you're fired. Just send the shield back when you can, basically. Like, that was stupid. Yeah. That made no sense. That access to it. We'll, we'll pay the overnight fees. And then in the following scene, there was this weird, almost pseudo-reveal from Julie Louis-Dreyfus, which was, oh, and by the way, the shield doesn't belong to the government. It's kind of a gray area. It's like, what? Okay. So is that explaining why Sam is walking around with it? Like, basically, did Torres just kind of looked the other way, if that makes sense. And like, he was totally cool with Sam walking out with the shield. Granted, I want Sam to have the shield, but I, I kind of felt the same way you did. It was just kind of weird how they handled that owned by the government and Sam just has it. Yeah, they, they brought it up multiple times, which is like somebody in the government is not going to be on board with this next week, especially if- General Ross. <laughs> oh my God, stop bringing up General Ross. Nobody cares about that character. <laughs> you are the only person- that wants General Ross to have a larger role in the Ross. MCU. Um, especially if we just go off of how Isaiah was treated. Yeah. They were never going to let him become a black Captain America. He even points out it's not any different today than it was back then. So I'm just, I'm really interested how much resistance Sam is going to get when he tries to take up the mantle officially next week. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they handle that final transformation for sure. Um, speaking of Sam... Uh, this is just a quick one I wanted to bring up just because this is the focal point and the titular characters. And I felt like this episode gave us the most like Sam and Bucky bonding. Like whenever I first saw the trailers, I kind of thought more goofy interplay between them would be at the focus of the show. And I'm glad it's not. But I just really like that this episode, we got to see them together so much. So many great scenes with their friendship kind of coming out and just them committing to working together. I also thought it was really cool seeing where they ended up both agreeing to move on from the past and help each other moving forward and also framing it like Bucky's apologizing for the way he handled like 
how dare you give up that shield? Dude, I love that line. Yeah, yeah. Also apologizing on behalf of Steve, too, saying, Steve and I did not realize what this would mean to offer this to a black man. Like, I thought that was so powerful. And it's exactly what Sam was refusing to acknowledge in the first episode whenever they had their, their uh, therapy session. Like, he said Bucky couldn't understand why he couldn't take up the shield. And I kind of like that Bucky got to a point now where he does understand why Sam couldn't take up the shield originally. Absolutely. And then also turning it around and Sam kind of helps Bucky with tough love, as he puts it, kind of getting him to understand why what he's doing isn't making him feel better and how he can kind of come out of Steve's shadow in a weird way. He's holding on to his last friend, essentially, but he has to move forward. So I just loved how they handled that. I love Amy Aquino, but if he can diagnose that in two seconds, what has she been doing as a therapist in this show? I mean, he's been in therapy for a long time, and it seems (laughs) like Sam got to the bottom of it a lot quicker than she did. Well, he has to do the work, as Sam said. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to talk about this in general. I mean, did you have any other highlights seeing Sam and Bucky together in this episode specifically? Yeah, this is another example of something that did not work for me in the trailers for the show and then just played out so much better when you get to see the entirety of the scene. I thought the line in the trailer when they're like, we're not partners. How could we ever be partners? No, we're teammates. It's like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) It was garbage in the trailers, but it was just fantastic and felt so earned in this episode. And just all the scenes of the community coming out to help Sam because of who his parents were, um, everything. I really did not enjoy the boat storyline in the first episode, but it it worked for me a lot more this week. And I I really like him trying to put all his energy into this boat, trying to help his family, saying, yeah, I need to look after the world, but my family is part of the world too. Like all that stuff I thought was so great. I just love Sam Wilson as a character. And I love that the show, how they're portraying him and giving him this work-life balance in a sense. I mean, it is really fascinating. And throwing Bucky Barnes into that mix has been really fun to watch. Yeah, just watching them kind of pal around on the boat was so good. Maybe one of my favorite lines in the MCU, like genuinely of all time, is when um, Bucky helps with the the wrench thing to turn off the steam. And he's like, why don't you use your metal arm? He's like, I just don't think of it immediately sometimes. I'm right-handed. <laughs> just, it just made me laugh <laughs> yeah. thinking about the fact that he it's has... It's so simple, but yeah, makes sense. He has a vibranium arm, but it's his non-dominant hand. <laughs> I was like, that's yeah. so funny. I loved it. I also did like seeing a super soldier do like manual labor. Yeah. Like I thought that was so funny how like he's trying to scrape stuff off the boat and Bucky comes over and just nonchalantly rips the whole piece off that he's been working at seemingly for hours. And then, yeah, one other moment to call out that was another one that got me pretty close to tearing up a little bit was seeing Bucky wake up at Sam's house and he kind of just silently watches for a minute as uh, Sam's nephews play with the shield, kind of enacting like a little fun little battle. And then he, he like, like, hey, guys. And then like, I'll oh, put it back. And then they run away. And just seeing him smile at that was, um, I thought, a really great scene because, you know, what's going through his head. He's thinking about Steve. He's thinking about the shield. And I think he's also now, as of like this episode, he's starting to think more about what that shield means for the younger generation, the black generation and, and Sam as well. So I thought that was a great scene. Bucky's kind of missed all of that too like really seeing the impact of steve being captain america on kids he hasn't really gotten to see any of that because he's been yeah. under ice or working for hydra so i thought another great scene just for bucky to see really what the legacy of his friends means and and what it could mean if sam takes it up too absolutely i'm really excited where that conversation that he had with um sam at the end will go in the finale i have to imagine he's going to go back to new york and try and come clean to that friend of his whose son he killed as the Winter Soldier, I have to imagine. Oh, that's what I'm he's going to be forward. doing. That's going to be a hard scene to watch. Yeah, that's going to be the kick he needs to kind of uh, start to get better and cope, but it's going to be a tough one. Uh, so let's kind of move on now to the, I guess, the broader plot of the show. Um, 
Carly Morgenthau and her crew makes a plan to kind of sabotage the GRC vote. The GRC is voting on the Patch Act, which will move refugees back to their country of origin, and, and Carly and the Flag Smashers want to stop that from happening. Do you think the GRC Council should have had a larger role in this show? I feel like we still don't really know anything about this organization, who its members are, what their motivations are, any of that stuff. So I, I'm just wondering if you feel like they should have played a larger role in this show so far. Yeah, I, I do. But I also admittedly am one of those people. I think there's probably a lot of people out there like this, but it's just a part of my brain, I guess, that I just don't I'm not attuned to. So whenever stuff like this I'm not even talking politics in general. I'm just saying like fictional politics and acts and councils and governments. It's very hard for me to keep track of. So I have to pay extra attention. And even then, I think I still miss elements. But to your point, I was also just confused that, oh, the GRC was the one that gave Walker the shield because I thought that was just the U.S. government. But then I was like, oh, wait, I guess. OK, so just the president is on both and so I, it was just hard for me to track. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, I was kind of wanting more because it seems like it's one of those things where maybe when they were writing the episode, they were like, shit, we need the G- GRC to have a big presence in the finale, but we haven't given them too much. So we'll just try and shove it in here. And it felt a little bit rushed. But again, I guess Morgenthau has been talking about it a lot. I just didn't fully understand it at the time. Well, and to your point too, like, Fictional politics is is never really that interesting in, in any piece of media, but in the MCU, one, one of our biggest moments is the Sokovia Accords, and that is fictional politics, and that actually was handled pretty well and pretty interesting. And a lot of time to it. And yeah, and had a lot of time to it. Um, So I think there is a way to do it. They've, they've already done it once in the MCU. I just felt like they didn't handle it very well so far in the show. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I would love to be pleasantly surprised with that kind of thing. I just, I yeah, I'm kind of with you. I just didn't fully understand it. And it sounds like there's going to be a lot more of them in the next episode. I do like that they kind of are the direct opposition to the Flag Smashers at the very least, just polar opposite ideals. And the Flag Smashers were kind of formed out of the birth of the GRC post blip. So I like that element of it. They're almost like too evil, though. They're like, we can move them right now. We got the military in place. Like so nonchalantly yeah. about it. It's like, it's that's solely just to exist to make... Morgenthau's characters seem more like a gray area. Like it, it's not, it doesn't feel real, I guess. But then the problem with that, I totally agree with you, but the problem is the only reason Morgenthau's people seem like a gray area is because they randomly murder people sometimes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they were a pretty Robin Hood-esque organization that I was all on board for. And then like Sam and said, Sam's on board I like your too. fight, but I hate the way you're fighting it. It's like, ah, it would have been nice to maybe see it more clear on both sides. But I guess when it comes to politics, it it never can be. So I kind of get it. So I guess this is a good kind of jumping off point because I kind of feel the same way you do about the GRC. It's how I feel about the power broker. I was convinced that this episode would reveal that character in some level. Especially with it being titled Truth. Yeah, good point. Um, I'm very curious how the power broker in general plays into the finale because again we have the flag smashers and the grc fighting but then we also know there's this weird mysterious power broker that's supposed to be more evil quote unquote than the flag smashers that's trying to kill them all so i don't know if that will be revealed how that will work i mean what are your thoughts on the power broker in general at this point i just i brought it up before with the show there's just too many organizations at the moment. It's all yeah. getting so jumbled. We've got the Power Broker. We've got the GLC. We've got the Flag Smashers. We've got Captain America on the Mar. We've got Sam and Bucky. <laughs> yeah. We have the Falcon in the Winter. Like, there's so many names being thrown around. It's like, 
can we just have two? Like, give me, tell me who my bad guy is. Tell me what we're supposed to do as the good guys. And, and let's go from there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like the power broker has been pretty botched so far. If it is revealed to be Sharon Carter, which I really do think it is now, especially after this episode, I don't think that's going to feel impactful. Um, so um, unless I just totally like throw something out of left field, like I, I don't know how well it's going to be handled in the finale. Yeah. The thing with Sharon Carter is I still just would need a lot of time dedicated in the finale to explaining why she's made such a stark change from Civil War to now. I know she's been on the run for several years, but now she's like developing the super soldier serum, killing people that steal it. It's like, yeah, I would just need to understand that more. But I do agree with you. I mean, this episode certainly, it certainly seems like it's her based on the Batrock release, essentially. And she says, I'll double it this time, which means that she was in charge of him in the first episode when Sam took him out. So uh, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, very weird there. But but I, let me ask you this, though, because you said you, you can't fully understand Sharon Carter's motivations. Have have you Have you ever had someone profess their love for you? And then immediately turn around and leave you to go get with your aunt? Because, I, I mean, maybe that could turn you into an anarchist. Not yet. Not yet. Um, yeah. I mean, there's certainly elements that I would understand. If that's her motivation, though, that's not going to work. She's like, he left yeah. me for Aunt Peggy. It's like, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Sam's like, who's Aunt Peggy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what they do. I mean, obviously, you would also then have to justify why Sharon Carter wants to kill Sam and Bucky, I guess. But anyway, I guess we'll talk about that if it even happens next episode. So real quick, before we get out of here, of course, when it comes to penultimate episodes, we have to devote some time to talking about our final theories, what's going to go down in the finale, where things could go just in the future in general. And I'll start that conversation because Austin, John Walker, is not going to let this die. He is making his own shield, I guess with a similar color scheme. He's incorporating his war medals. So he's going to be back in full force fighting them, I'm assuming. So what do you think? Where are we going in the finale? How is this going to shake out? How will the broader MCU be impacted by this show, do you think? Man, him making the shield was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell if he was like actually putting his Medal of Honors into the shield or if he was using them to design the star. But if his shield has know. like his actual Medal of, Medal of Honors in the actual medal, that would be kind of cool. That would be cool. Um, I, I'm so interested to see what he's going to do next week. I can't tell... like. Is he just going to go after the Flag Smashers because they killed Lamar? Is he going to fight Sam and Bucky again? Like, I, I really don't know what to expect from that character. As far as how this is going to impact the broader MCU, I think I think we are going to have a loose end with Zemo. I think I definitely think he will be appearing in Black Panther 2. It seems like he just has too much history with the Wakandans to not be appearing in that movie, especially since he was kind of left in their care at the end, at the end of this episode. So I just, I don't know, man. Do you have any good theories for me? I I think my main one would probably be with Walker. I just don't think that you do this big, like this scale of a fight scene with both Bucky and Sam to then do it again. So I don't think he's going to be fighting them again. I have to imagine he's building the shield to go and finish the Flag Smashers off because, like you said, of what they did to Lamar. Um, or I guess I should say specifically, because he gets it a little bit confused sometimes, what Carly Morgenthau specifically did to Lamar. So yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking he's going to do. My general theory is I don't think he'll die. I think and I, I'm not joking, but I think he will be recruited either by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I, I can't remember her crazy long name. So Julia Louis-Dreyfus Fontaine. is Fontaine, Fontaine. Um, maybe he'll be recruited by them to basically be. 
I mean, we kind of joked the Suicide Squad, but I think it could just be a, like a darker version of the Avengers, so to speak, that go on more government overseen missions. They can be a bit more brutal, perhaps. And I think he'll be the I mean, no pun intended. I think he'll be the Captain America of that team. He might be the leader. Could him and Zemo be headed towards the same team? I think if so. The Wakandans are taking him to the raft. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Marvel does need. They do need to compete with the Suicide Squad content coming out of DC. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they they like so they saw that the first one made so much money. They were like, you know what? I don't care if we're making billions of dollars. I have to take down Suicide Squad. <laughs> Kevin Feige is just in the bathroom, like seeing the numbers come in for Suicide Squad. He's like, no, <laughs> I will make my team with Wyatt Russell and Zemo. <laughs> Get me David Ayer. He knows Get how to David make money Ayer. at the box office. Um. Oh, Austin, are you excited when it comes to theories as well? How badass, on a scale of 1 to 10, do we think Sam's Captain America outfit with the wings made by Wakanda is going to be? Well, I guess I have a question before I answer that, because it will be a 10 for sure if it's made by Wakanda. But if you're thinking Torres is going to be taking up the Falcon mantle, is he going to have wings in his Captain America costume, or is he just solely going to be Captain America? I just think Torres is that in the comics. I could be wrong. I think I read that somewhere. Um so I don't know. But I do know that Sam in his run, when he's Captain America, it's pretty badass. He has a similar-ish color scheme with elements of red, white, and blue. He has the shield, of course, but then he still has the falcon wings. So it kind of okay. is a pretty- Okay, I want that. Yeah. I want Anthony Mackie with wings. I don't want him without wings. Yeah. So you got to keep those wings. But even if the Wakandas design Torres a falcon suit, that will be a zero for me. <laughs> a suit for Anthony Mackie is a 10. I think it's going to be a 10. And I think if we will get that- Captain America-ish suit, and it will have the vibranium wings, probably. So it's going to be cool. I'm excited. And with that, everybody, that is going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and the series, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really do appreciate that so we can continue to grow the show. And hey, please leave us reviews as well. Uh, even if you don't want to write anything, a starred review on Apple Podcasts really does help. At the Arnews is our social, and the Arnews.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for our latest bracket showdown. In honor of the Academy Awards this week, we will be deciding the best, best picture. That's going to be fun. I love doing the bracket episodes. They're some of our best for sure. That one's going to be interesting. And theoretically, these are all good movies. So we should at least be not having any duds in there. Well, you say that. Uh-oh. Oh. So far, I've had a stinker. Oh. I have had a stinker. So I don't, I'm not sure how you guys are going to feel, but I have had a stinker mainly because there's a protagonist I cannot root for in one of these films. I will say this, though. Is it one that I chose or one that Keith chose? It's one that you chose. I knew it. I, I think I know which one it is. Too. <laughs> um, that's OK, everybody. Yeah. So stay tuned for that episode. Also, right, since we've got to keep the MCU going here, we're going to be back with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier next Sunday for the finale talk. And in a little bit, we will be talking about Captain America, the first Avenger as well. So if you need more Captain America in your life, we will be talking about the origin story very soon. And check us out on Instagram at the Arnie's. Be sure to direct message us your thoughts on this episode. Send us your theories for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier finale. Send us your favorite best picture film. Send us whatever you want. Send us some Dungeons and Dragons characters. We did that a few months ago. Really, we just want to hear from you. So send us a message and uh, let us know what you think on the show, about our movies, any episodes you want to hear us do. Send us a message on Instagram, at the Arnie's. Let us know. How's this finale going to end? Will we see General Ross? Who's to say? <laughs> Please, God, no. Please, God, no. Bye, everybody. See ya. <laughs>